0: Welcome to Nomina's Mental Health Mavens. I'm your host, Joanne, and every Sunday we bring you mental health and addictions experts on a variety of topics, including advanced evidence-based therapies. Now, guest opinions are their own and some content may be triggering, but our mission here and on our Nomina Wellness YouTube channel is to make exceptional mental health support accessible to everyone. So make sure to subscribe, give us that good rating, and maybe even share with a friend. So let's get to it. This is Episode 9 of Mental Health Mavens, and today we are once again talking to Dan Kalko. He is a wealth of amazing information, and we're going to be talking about chronic pain and in specific addiction around chronic pain and some of the different therapies that we can use to manage it. So with that, welcome, Dan. Welcome back, Dan. It is so good to see you again. And today we are going to be talking about chronic pain. So do you want to give us an introduction?
1: Yeah. So um, one of the things that um, we focus on here and one of the things that's a big topic today um, in the news and in health circles is the topic of chronic pain. And uh, We'll talk a little bit later about the difference between acute pain and chronic pain, but what we're really talking about here is chronic pain disorders, so disorders that where pain doesn't go away, or pain doesn't seem to have a reasonable cause. Um, and Millions of Canadians and Americans and North Americans have problems with pain. Uh, I think I was reading a stat the other day that almost 10% of people will have some sort of long-lasting pain issue uh, at least one point in their life, lasting anywhere up to five years or more.
0: So last time we talked, we talked about evolutionary psychology, and I know that pain plays a part in that evolutionary psychology. So do you want to speak a little bit on that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So you're 100% correct is that pain serves an evolutionary survival purpose. If we hurt ourselves, we don't really have any other mechanism to tell us that that part of our body is hurt. And so pain sends a really important signal that focuses our attention to whatever area is injured so that we can take care of it.
0: So what about those people that have medically unexplained pain?
1: And that's a really good point because there's millions of Canadians that have this problem, this exact problem. And one of the reasons we're seeing such a huge spike in the opioid use and opioid deaths is because we have a whole bunch of people who are suffering pain, maybe more than they should or more than the injury that they're dealing with would allow, or even longer than would be reasonably expected. To have that injury heal. So those people have some sort of other mechanism that has hijacked their pain pathways and is now sending pain signals or having pain signals being interpreted in certain areas without there being a cause. And this is a huge problem for a lot of Canadians.
0: I have a girlfriend of mine who started on opioids because she did have legitimate pain but now that it's healed, she has the phantom pain and is addicted to the opioids and struggling to get off of it.
1: Yeah, it's something that we see very often. And it really brings into the picture the psychological component of injuries or surgeries or accidents that cause injuries. Because oftentimes there is a, an emotional trauma associated with, let's say, a car accident. So if we use an example, I don't know if this relates to your friend or not, but somebody's in a car accident and they. Uh, shatter their pelvis that's a really significant injury for a human being for anybody and it requires a lot of recovery time uh, a lot usually surgery pins to put the pelvis back together and associated with all of that is a lot of pain and while we're going through the recovery process we want to make sure that we manage the pain because pain causes stress so stress increases the, the load on our body which actually inhibits healing which actually Uh, makes our our subconscious and our mental state worse. So we want to manage pain at a reasonable level so that we can get through it. The problem is when the injury is healed, according to science or according to medicine, there shouldn't be any more need for pain medication because the body should have healed. And what sometimes happens is that the emotional pain of whatever the traumatic issue was, in this case, that car accident, may still be a factor and may still be causing that phantom pain to be relived because the brain is trying to find a way to deal with the emotional pain. And sometimes the brain likes to feel physical pain more than it does emotional pain.
0: I know I'm very open about being a sober woman and I had to go through a surgery and I had to do it without any kind of narcotics. And I was amazed that That once I got the doctors to work with me on it, that I could cycle through ibuprofen and Tylenol and they did local uh, freezing. They did all kinds of things to help me through it without the narcotics.
1: Yeah, and I think that comes uh, a bit in part with our society and our societal expectation of what a reasonable amount of pain should be. I think in our society, we kind of defer and default to, we should never feel any pain ever, and a little bit of pain is a bad thing, and therefore, I'm going to want to medicate it away. And that becomes very dangerous in terms of that opioid addiction, because, or even just any other medication that that numbs pain, is that it becomes very easy to attain. And as we discussed during that evolutionary psychology piece, our brain likes easy, our brain likes efficient. I use the word efficient, easy kind of has a negative connotation, but the brain likes easy. And if you can tell the brain that you've got this magic pill, that's going to take away all the pain. It's going to love that. And that also, like I said, jumps in with that whole cycle, psych- the, the social psychology piece that says pain is bad. Therefore I will not have pain ever.
0: Yeah. And I know as a sober woman, how the opioids can take away the emotional pain as well too.
1: Yeah. So that is really important to discuss because there's each each medication has its own mechanism for blocking pain and it's helpful to discuss how pain is processed in the body because um, that tells us how we can stop it and that's how medicine has gone into um, looking at managing pain so if you if you want we can talk a little bit about that uh, about how pain is processed in the body
0: Yeah no, I think that would be very helpful
1: so it's really helpful for us to understand is that all of our pain just like all of our other sensations are processed in the brain Uh, so we don't feel pain at the site we get a a signal that's sent from let's say our hand if we cut our hand it goes through to our spinal cord and up into our brain up into our brain stem and it gets processed in several parts of the brain and pain is very poorly understood right now by medical science so there's There isn't one specific area of the brain that processes pain. There are multiple. And sometimes a part of the brain that processes pain also can process other feelings like heat or pleasure or cold. And that's why it's very difficult for a lot of medical scientists to really nail down what pain is. And that makes it harder and harder to treat. But generally how it works is you cut your hand the nerve endings in your hands send a signal up to your brain that says something is wrong. There's damage there. Let's um, signal this human being that there's a damage or an issue. And that is called pain. So we can block pain either at the site. So like you mentioned earlier, local freezing. So that's where they inject a chemical solution that inhibits the nerve propagation. So that's the signal. So one neuron tells the other neuron that there's pain and then that tells the other neuron and that happens all the way up your arm into your spinal cord which goes into your brain and then your brain says oh look pain here so you can block that and so the chemicals that they inject inside of you maybe if you've gone to the dentist or if you've had like a mole removed they'll just inject uh it's, it's some sort of salt solution that inhibits the that uh, propagation of that nerve you can also address it at the nerve root so a lot of people that have um, chronic nerve pain issues can have that nerve severed. And that just physically stops the signal from going into the brain. And then you can address it in the brain itself. And usually we do that with medication. And those medications target or inhibit those areas of the brain that process pain. But like you mentioned, it can also inhibit other things. It can inhibit different sensations. There's been studies out there that show that taking ibuprofen uh, limits or minimum uh, reduces your uh, empathy, actually. Um, and so these have secondary effects, but the main effect is is numbing the pain, uh, but you can also numb other things at the same time. And this is where a lot of people, opioids feel loopy, they feel disconnected, their body feels numb, they feel like they're floating out of their body, because that's the point, is that this medication is trying to disconnect the conscious from that sensation of pain.
0: Well, I know that one of the, the techniques that I use because I can't take any kind of pain medication is meditation and visualization, but psychology. How can psychology help me with chronic pain?
1: I guess it's helpful to define the differences between chronic pain and just regular pain. And I will start off by saying that there are there's a lot of science out there that shows that people that deal with chronic pain can manage it through things like you mentioned: meditation, um, positive uh, optimism, a good world view. Um, really, that acceptance and commitments part, like acceptance and commitment therapy, is really good for that kind of stuff uh, because it can change the way that you perceive pain. And that's one of the things that's also helpful to know is that we perceive pain differently. Each human perceives pain differently, but also each individual can perceive different things that may be the same level of pain in different ways, depending on their mental state. So you might be happy and you might uh, have something happen to you where you hurt yourself and it's a lot easier to shake off. Or you might be feeling really down or dreary or or something bad has happened and and something that might not really cause you that much pain in in a different circumstance might be something that's very overwhelming to handle. And pain is a very bad uh, indicator of how bad the damage actually is. And a really great example of that is if you've ever had a brain freeze. If you've ever had a brain freeze, that's when you drink something really cold too fast, it feels like your brain is going to explode. It feels like someone's jabbing an ice pick into your brain. But there's really nothing wrong with your mouth or your tongue or the roof of your mouth that that really would justify that level of pain. And so sometimes we interpret pain in ways that isn't perhaps the same level of of justifications as what might happen and on the other hand some people i I work with uh, military veterans some people have their legs blown off and they actually don't feel any pain and so here's the another indicator of how we can perceive pain differently through different mental states and different physiological states so Treating acute pain is, like I said, is is important. It's necessary. We use it. It's something that we do regularly, and that's totally fine. Like using pain, I take Tylenol, take Advil if I hurt myself. We want to be able to manage our pain and still be able to live our life. Chronic pain is when that system gets hijacked for whatever reason, and the pain doesn't go away. Psychology and using different uh, psychological modalities has been very effective at treating chronic pain excuse me has been very effective at treating chronic pain so uh cbt works act works emdr has been shown to be very good at treating chronic pain uh, and then is as well has been very good at treating that really deep-seated pain and we talked about the one mechanism of pain and we talked a little bit about it during our evolutionary psychology piece but chronic pain often has no cause like we said earlier so somebody has that hip injury and um, because of the car accident, they're healed. Doctors say they're fine. They still feel pain. And this is where we start to bring into that em- the picture emotional pain. Emotional pain is the part where we have some sort of event, some sort of traumatic event that brings us along with it certain emotions. They're not always negative emotions. Um, so it's just emotions in general. And the problem becomes when these emotions become suppressed or repressed. When they become repressed, they need a container. Like if you imagine them kind of as a, as like an energy, they kind of need to be stored somewhere. And in our psychology, that evolutionary psychology, that protector of our, our being the subconscious says, Hey, I know where a good place to store emotional pain is where this person had actual pain not long ago. And so in this case, in our example, this person might still feel pain in their, in their hip or in their joints around their hips, or in their uh, pelvic floor, some place that's in that area, because it's a convenient spot for the subconscious to store pain. And now they have pain. They don't know where it's coming from. The doctors can't can't find out where it's coming from. A lot of people that suffer with chronic pain have gone from doctor to doctor to doctor, specialist to specialist, and they still don't have an answer. That makes it even more frustrating. That creates more emotions, and usually that whole process makes the pain that they perceive worse. So psychology can go in there and we can figure out what some of those emotions could be, if there are any, work through them, release them. And oftentimes that emotional release comes with uh, physical release in terms of reduced pain.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating to me how the body can store as energy, emotional pain. I learned that from you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And it's one of the things that we want to look at Oftentimes, a really great indicator to anybody is, hey, I've broken my arm, my arm hurt for six weeks, uh, and the pain's usually pretty constant. It's usually like a 7 out of 10 constantly, and you can numb it down to a 4 with some Tylenol or some, some other kind of uh, medication, but it usually is pretty constant, unless we're really distracted. Uh, I remember once after uh, abdominal surgery when I was young, I was uh, watching a comedy show, and it was the pain went away for that period because I was distracted away from the pain. It was still there. The injury was still there, but I was distracted away from it. But as soon as that TV show went away, the pain came back. And it's usually pretty constant. One of the things about chronic pain is it tends to fluctuate. And oftentimes it fluctuates with people's emotional state. And that is a really good indicator for us as clinicians to look at and start to ask ourselves, could there be an emotional component to this physical pain that people are feeling
0: well i know at nomina you this is this is one of the areas where you treat and you use all of the different modalities that you mentioned for it do you do that in the inpatient nomina wellness or do you do it in the clinics
1: so the answer to that is yes uh we do both so um you can treat chronic pain um outpatient so that means uh seeing somebody weekly or semi-weekly or bi-weekly, whatever the, the schedule is, uh, if there's a psychological p- component to it. Uh, but for a, for the people that tend to have a lot more pain, the people that struggle with it, the people who it's debilitating for, maybe the people who have uh, tried to self-soothe using substances or alcohol, those people tend to benefit a lot more from a kind of like psychological and neurological reset that we do at the inpatient. So at at, at Forbidden Plateau. Uh, And that's an eight-week program. And it's not meant to cure people in eight weeks. Um, That's a misconception a lot of people have is that you can cure this chronic pain issue very quickly. Oftentimes, by the time people come to see somebody for the psychological piece, once they run out of all of the medical components, it's been a long time since the injury started or whatever it is that triggered the pain in the first place. And the longer we repress something psychologically, the more layers we have on top of it. It's kind of like an onion. The, le- the longer we let the onion grow, the more layers it's going to have, the longer it takes to get back into that, that core, that core component of it in order to be able to treat it. And that's the part that we start at Nomad Forbidden Plateau and then plan to continue. Some people can work through chronic pain in short periods, it could be months, but some people that have more complicated issues, more repressed issues, it can take them years. The, the main point, though, is that there is there is a, a potential for being pain-free or at least very low pain. And sometimes um, that's something that people don't understand or have given up the hope of ever being pain-free or or being in a place where they can manage their pain without it uh, running their lives or, or even destroying their lives.
0: Well, I'm going to leave the link for the information on the chronic pain program as well as all of your your bio and how to get in touch with you in the show notes on the podcast and in the description on the youtube and is there anything else that we missed anything you want to add in closing
1: I think I think it's really important to realize that like i said changing our relationship with pain is very important and understanding that it's actually our body trying to help us is a different way of framing how pain works. And I think whether that be physical or psychological, I think that can be one of the the tools that a lot of people who may be struggling with pain or chronic pain, it can be one of their tools to really help them reframe what's going on. Because it's sometimes, especially in a medicine or a medical system type ways, it seems like it's us versus the pain it seems very antagonistic we're trying to fight pain right you've heard that word before i need to combat pain I need to fight pain it's very aggressive and when we change the way that we look at pain as a helper we start to understand what our subconscious and our body is trying to communicate to us because it can't talk to us it's telling us hey you have something that's wrong here you have something that you need to look at you have something you need to protect and this is where if it's not a sharp piece of glass in our foot we have to start asking ourselves, what is being stored in there that's not a sharp piece of glass? But it's hurting us in the same way that sharp piece of glass is. And that's where talking to a professional who's uh, skilled in, in pain management from a psychological perspective can be really helpful. The other thing I wanted to add is a, an anecdote about how pain is um, totally generated in the mind. And I don't know if you've heard this story or, or some of the people watching this have heard this story before, but there's a story of a person who's walking through their, their uh, garage and they step on a nail. And the nails, like from the bottom through their foot, like it's like poking up through their foot, and they they look at that and they they go into shock, right? So that shock, like the the deep inhalation, the increase in heart rate, the increase in blood pressure. They look at their foot instantly. They have pain in their foot. They start screaming. They they maybe their partner runs into the thing. They see this thing in their foot. They call nine one one. The ambulance comes. The uh, paramedics they they stabilize the foot. They stabilize everything. They they get them in the the ambulance they drive to the hospital the whole time this person is is screaming and they're in pain and and uh, then they get to the hospital and the doctor looks at it and they go okay we got to get the shoe off so they cut the shoe off and it turns out the nail went in between the big toe and the next toe it didn't go through the foot at all there was zero blood zero damage no cause of injury yet this person was feeling pain as if they had stepped on it and it had gone through their foot. And this is a great example to say that our brain generates the pain. Our brain is that component which, when it believes it's hurt, it will correspondingly create that sensation because it's kind of like a two-way street. So our our body can communicate to us that there's something wrong because we might not be aware of what's on the bottom of our foot. And so that's where the pain gets our our attention. Or internal, right? We've got internal pain. We can't see that with our eyes. But it can happen the other way where we can see something and then that triggers that same pain feedback loop that says, oh, look, I should be feeling pain, therefore I will. And that's that component. And oftentimes we can override that component uh, with just our mind, our thinking, sometimes positive thinking, optimistic thinking, acceptance thinking. Those are those pieces that can really help. Like you described or mentioned, you can really reduce your, your perception of pain by changing your, your mindset.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dan. No it's so good to see you again. Yeah.